Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I get to speak with Jacqueline Kinser today, who is the founder and CEO of Holistic Lactation, where she runs a telehealth breastfeeding practice, manufactures herbal supplements for lactation, and supports breastfeeding families worldwide through an online course and community called the Nurture Collective. I'll read the rest of that uh, as well, because I love... um, I love reading people's bios and it's usually a little bit more complete than what I know about them. But I wanted to mention that me and Jacqueline have known each other for a few years. We actually were kind of like parallel birthers with both of our children. Um, First one being born around the same time and second one being born around the same time. uh, Took a pregnancy class together where we didn't really get to know each other, but we got to know each other more through our second pregnancy and kind of how we decided to diverge from what we had learned and our, you know, kind of gleaming wisdom from that experience and deciding to do something a little bit differently. So um, it's really exciting for me to get to reconnect with Jacqueline. She's also the host of the top rated podcast, Breastfeeding Talk. That's cool. Jacqueline's passion has been to create functional breastfeeding outcomes and expand access to lactation knowledge and support across the globe. As a mom of two who struggled with her own breastfeeding experiences, she understands the multifaceted challenges today's families face. Through a holistic lens, I almost said through a holistic lactation, through a holistic lens (laughs) that accounts for mental health, financial barriers, systemic injustices, inadequate policies, and unrealistic expectations, Jacqueline strives to help moms recognize the many ways they can breastfeed their babies and define their own success by making breastfeeding work for them. All right, well, let's get into this. Here we go. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. (laughs) So you have your own podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I'm no stranger to this medium, which is really (laughs) cool. One of my favorites. I'm an avid podcast listener, so it made sense for me to start my own and had a lot of things I wanted to get off my chest and still do. So here we are. (laughs) A lot of things I want to get off my chest. I like that. (laughs) You're just kind of like, it's like the podcast that I wish I had when I became a mom, you know, right? Like your podcast is probably like, you know, this is what you want to hear and you're creating these conversations. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it like you talking or are you having guests or both or? It's a little bit of a mix of both. Um, I actually really, really enjoy the interviews the best because then it's not just reliant on me to keep the energy going the whole time. Uh, Also, it just, I always learn some fascinating things or people say things in a way that is just so well said that I could never express it in that way. Um, And so, yeah, I love giving other incredible people a voice. And so, yeah, we've got a a mix of, you know, all types of healthcare providers or moms sharing their stories or me sharing information or a story about my own journey. So yeah, it's a fun mix of things. Yeah. One of the things that I think I love about this conversation around breastfeeding or pregnancy, we're just talking about a summit that you were doing, is that it encompasses actually so much more about being a woman, I think, than we we realize, because it's not just about whether you breastfeed or you don't breastfeed, or even if you have a child or don't have a child, but it's like the the relationship that we have as women with our with our own body, right? It's really, it can be really general and it can be really universal, I guess. Yeah. No, I think, I think breastfeeding is like this unique thing where 
birth doesn't even necessarily require us to get really intimate with our bodies, right? Like you could opt for having a planned C-section and, you know, not really have that sort of connected experience with your body. Um, but breastfeeding, you really can't circumvent that. Um, even if you're pumping, you're definitely getting to know your body in all of these different ways. Um, I was actually listening to one of your podcast episodes. I think it was like a few episodes ago, you had a guest on who was talking about music and hormones and how it releases oxytocin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love, I just like got chills. I nerded out because I was like, yes, you know, and we can't deny this, you know, these, I mean, pregnancy, birth, there's hormones, absolutely right. Um, but, you know, breastfeeding can be longer than pregnancy and there's a lot we have to confront there. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. so much more than food. I really don't like when people try to distill breastfeeding down to the milk. Even if you, cause I didn't have this experience, but if you choose not to breastfeed, you are also dealing with having to like suppress that biological thing that's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, There's absolutely. Yeah. When that placenta is birthed, your progesterone levels drop and that allows your prolactin levels to rise. And prolactin is that hormone that's the driver of breast milk production. So uh, whether you like it or not, well, first of all, you're producing breast milk since around 16 weeks pregnant anyway, whether or not you've expressed it or seen it come out is a different story. So you're already hmm. lactating no matter if you want to or not. It's not really a choice unless something, you know, you have an underlying health condition that disables that function for you, which is really, really rare. So, you know, yeah, then the placenta is born, the hormones shift and milk happens and yeah, you have to work to suppress it if you don't want it to. Yeah. Interesting. So when I, when I knew you in Phoenix, I think you were just kind of starting out your practice. Um, it's really blossomed since then, which is really exciting to see. And I'm wondering like what you sort of started out thinking and how it's evolved. Mm, yeah. It's Pick evolved a lot. One thing, I guess. <laughs> So I think, you know, when I settled on a name for the practice, um, holistic lactation, I was thinking of holistic as kind of this, you know, the connotation of like natural and alternative. And now I don't think of it as that at all. And I really would prefer that people think of it as the dictionary definition of holistic, which is, you know, all of the circumstances and things that go into us as a person. And when I think of lactation, which is, you know, really just maybe a more scientific word for breastfeeding, um, it's, it's, you know, who we are, it's our health, it's our emotions, it's our mental state, it's our finances, it's our support around us. It's, um, our jobs, it's our family, it's uh, all these things that factor in that really, you know, either pave the way for breastfeeding to happen or greatly disrupt it. Mm. And if we, we can't like, I guess over the years, what I've really learned is that there's so much that surrounds us that contributes to how everything in our lives goes and breastfeeding is no exception. It's not a matter of just saying that's the method I choose to feed my baby. That's not good enough. There's way more that's required to make it happen and work. And I think that's what, you know, 
moms often feel hit by a brick wall. Like, unless it just happened to be easy for you and you took to it naturally. And so did your baby. Um, everyone else out here is like, Whoa, what happened? I did not expect that. No one told me how hard it was. No one told me I could have fixed things. Um, and so really for me, it's much more about those deeper issues that are about being a mom and being a woman than it is about breastfeeding itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had some, I, I guess, I guess it always is kind of surprising that it doesn't just sort of work out as I had issues with my first child, they weren't anything special. I don't think, I think I was just, the nurse told me how to latch and it wasn't a good one. <laughs> and so I just kept doing it and it hurt. And so eventually I was like getting scabs and, um, had to see somebody. And that was, I mean, that was like night and day, you know, but people, but people, you know, people would say like, oh yeah, it's supposed to hurt or like, it hurts for a little while. And I'm, you know, like power through it. And I'm like, this just, I don't think I can do this. And it, I mean, cause it was, it was painful, you know, your breasts are sensitive. It's not like your elbow, yes. you know? <laughs> No, <laughs> it's not. And you're probably not, if you injured your elbow, you're probably not going to like keep irritating it over and over again, multiple times a day, like right. a baby would. <laughs> right. Right. So, but I think one of the things that this also kind of illuminates is just how unnatural really our lives are. I mean, if we were living natural lives, which I mean, we're not going to return to. So that's not like, that's not up for, you know, debate, but like we would be seeing women's breasts. We would be seeing women's breasts. We would be seeing them breastfeed their kids. It would be sort of like this osmosis, I'm guessing kind of, you know, learning that that's my feeling. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I agree, but I also think that it would still be subject to a lot of cultural things. Um, like for instance, while lactation is natural, breastfeeding is learned hmm. and that's a really, really important distinction to make. So, you know, you could think about, okay, maybe some sort of, you know, tribal culture and, you know, breastfeeding is the only way to nourish a baby and have it survive. But if they had some cultural conception of, of, you know, bodily privacy, you wouldn't have that learned experience that you just, you know, learn by osmosis. So, you know, different cultures, different ways. Um, but I think, yeah, for the most part, if that was something that was so imperative to our survival and we had no other options, we would definitely as a community really know that before it came time for us to do it. And I think that's what's sad, right? Is that, you know, I, I tell people like, I love my job and I entered this profession because I didn't have the help I needed and there wasn't enough help when I really looked around and I've seen other moms struggle and, you know, I just don't, I, I think that we need more of it. So I'm, I'm here to help. Right. Um, but also it's like, we shouldn't have to hire professionals. We shouldn't have to, you know, have this be a whole subset of healthcare necessarily, because I mean, yeah, there is a time and a place, but you know, a lot of these things could just be avoided. Like you said, if this was something that we were just exposed to, it was part of regular life. It wasn't hidden and concealed and hush hush and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I were, I remember reading this Barbara Kingsolver book that was um, Animal Vegetable Miracle. You, you heard of that? Where she basically, she decides to um, eat only local food for an entire year. And she has a farm. 
So her family is eating like whatever they can source from their farm or from farmers markets or whatever. But one of the things that she gets into is raising turkeys and turkeys are like, they have no, I, I guess what she, what she discovered anyway, it was like, they don't have like a bank of, of memory of how things work, like to the degree because they've been um, artificially like inseminating them for so long that they don't know how to have sex. So she had to like demonstrate, I think either to the male or the female turkeys, how to, how to like inseminate the, you know, how the male could inseminate the, the female by doing some dance or whatever. But it, it made me, it made me think of this conversation that we're having, like what would, ha you know, it could go to, you know, it could go to the extreme of like, what if we, you know, didn't even know we could reproduce ourselves? We, you know, we, we relied on doctors for that or, you know, yeah. It's very brave new world for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's eerie to think about, you know, I think there's like a fair amount of the population that would really not want to see that happen, but then there's, <laughs> You know, I, I've read this stuff in the past about like artificial wombs and, mm. you know, we can become very technocratic about reproduction, you know, already. Yes, we have IVF and that's not something that people opt for instead of sex. Mm. <laughs> that's only when <laughs> sex doesn't work. But what if they did start to opt for that somehow? Like, I mean, I guess there's artificial insemination if you like use a sperm donor and you don't have a partner, but um, yeah, it's really like crazy to think about, you know, I think breast pumps are like really, really over marketed and overvalued in our society. And, you know, now like in the U S insurance covers them and it seems like everyone just gets one, which, you know, might be great. Um, but it also seems like, why are we relying on this mechanical device to make it work? You know, is that really what we should be offering everybody or should we be offering them the support and education and compassion that they need? Right. Right. Well, and, and that's, that's the conversation that I, I, I love this conversation is like, when you talk about holistic, you know, you want to meet someone where they are. So maybe they really do need a pump, but you can't just assume that everybody does. Right. Is that what you're saying? Kind of? Yes, exactly. Right. Like that, that by virtue of saying you know, it's like Oprah and her giveaways, like you get a pump and you get a pump and you get a pump. Like when we do that, it's, it's basically saying like, you know, subconsciously that you should pump. Right. Like if you don't pump, if you don't use this expensive medical device that's been provided to you, I mean, this is like marketing 101, right? Like, um, if I give you something for free, you feel this reciprocity to me and are more likely to buy something from me. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, I just psychologically, my degrees in sociology, can you tell, but like, uh, you know, psychologically really? you being handed know. a pump, of course it plants the seed that, you know, well, is something wrong with me if I don't pump? Like I have to use this. I have it. It's just, the formula manufacturers do this all the time. That's why they send you samples in the mail. It's why they buy your email address from baby registries. That's why you get one at your OB's office at your first appointment. You get a sample because they know this. They know exactly this, that if you have that can sitting in your kitchen cupboard at home, when you're having a hard time, that one time, you know, you're just, you're more likely to try it. It's free. Oh, isn't that nice of them to provide this, you know, sample size sample to me. Oh, maybe even two cans, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how this works. And so I'm not saying that breast pump manufacturers are engaging in, you know, some sort of predatory marketing techniques. This is something the U S government decided to do, but it just culturally, you know, 
disconnects us more from our bodies and makes us more reliant on technology. And, you know, I think there's good with that, but I also think there can be harm in that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I remember being very, um, and like, I was really leaning towards using that sample of the formula when, when I was having issues <laughs> and right. thankfully I had a support system, that like helped me through that. But yeah. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world if you do, but for many people, that's the beginning of the end and it creates grief and feelings of shame and, you know, what if and regret and all of that. And it's like, was that worth it though? I mean, my goodness, you know, what if we just had um, you know, a friend that could come over and bring their baby that they're breastfeeding and show you the way, right? Like how cool would that be as opposed to the can in your kitchen that's calling your name? (laughs) Yeah. When you were talking about the pump that made me think of something and I kind of lost, kind of lost it and hopefully it'll come well, it'll come back if it's important, but yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you run into when you're dealing with your clients? Mostly it's, gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, w- I would say like a big thing at the core is that they just don't, have good guidance on what's normal and what's not. They just, there's no compass that's guiding them or they're being misguided by, you know, all of these compasses that they've Googled, found on social media, seen in mom's groups, doctor told them like it, there's just, I'm always clearing up misinformation. Right. And a big thing with that is, is every now and again, you know, we get a client who's really connected to her instincts and herself and, Um, I think that, you know, the process of becoming a mom is, well, a mother is really just this complete disruption to who we are. So it's rare that I find someone who feels really sure of themselves when it's their first baby, right? Like, Mm. I think that's normal. Um, And like, I expect that. But I think there's also just this complete, like, whoa, I don't know what's left and what's right with breastfeeding. You know, I know which brand of diapers I want and I know this and, you know, like there's, you know, all these other things that have gotten figured out, but breastfeeding has somehow been left behind. Mm. And so, you know, they come up with these theories of things that could be going on, or they're sure that it's something they've done wrong. That's usually like the biggest one. Um, where moms will say, well, I know it's because, you know, I did this, this one time and, And I'm like, very rarely are breastfeeding problems the mom's fault. Hmm. Like at least the ones who are asking for help with it. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. I don't see everybody breastfeed, right? But it's like, it's not your fault. Like no one, no one taught you. You don't see this everywhere you go. And it's like crazy that you would expect yourself to have all of this knowledge. You know, that's, I think the, the hardest part is that, you know, we're just so hard on ourselves Like we just think, oh, well, I took the birth class and I did this and I, you know, I did all of these things and why is breastfeeding still not working? I should have been doing more. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. Um, Sometimes they're doing too much, you know, it's like a home full of products. They've been to three other lactation consultants before they've seen us. And, you know, they just haven't known the right place or how to weed out like what's 
actually going to help them and, and what's not. And so it's all of these, all of these things that just come together and make the perfect storm, you know, and at the core of it, for sure, there's absolutely things that I would say really fall under the umbrella of like medical problems that contribute. And, you know, what we're doing as lactation consultants is, is healthcare and, you know, there's treatment that we're offering, right? If it's fixing a latch, nipple care, um, you know, ensuring the baby's getting enough to eat and that they're swallowing appropriately and all of those things. But then it's all of this counseling that we do, mm-hmm. which is you're a great mom and oh my gosh, your baby, look at the way they look at you when you nurse them. How magical is that? And like just, you know, validating feelings and unpacking birth trauma. Like there's all these things that we do. We carry this load that, they don't get carried when they go to the pediatrician or the OB. Um, if they have a doula or a midwife, they usually have that. And those are the clients that are easiest for us to help. So there's a lot of things we see, but it's just a lot of like really self-doubt and and self-blame and just total unpreparedness for this stage of life. And it's really rough, right? It's like we're, we're propelling moms into this you know, crazy event of birth. Pregnancy was already a lot for some people more than others. And then postpartum, which is this even bigger thing. And then breastfeeding on top of that, like, whoa, you know, I always say that like, I'm amazed. This is like a true testament to the power of women. I'm amazed that as many women breastfeed as they do. Mm-hmm. I really am. When I really, cause I see the worst of the worst, right. But I'm like, that's happening all the time though. And those are the people that want help. There's so many others that are like, never mind, like whatever, I'm done. You know, so like the fact that we have as many that breastfeed as, as we do, I'm in awe. I just think, wow, you know, women are amazing. Mothers are amazing because the odds are not in your favor. Sadly, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be super negative about it, but it's just like, it's at least in the US and Western cultures, that's very true. And um, it just is the way it is. Well, that didn't sound negative at all. I took away women are amazing. <laughs> they are. Yes. <laughs> Society sucks, but women are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. I remember thinking after I gave birth the first time, it was a lot more overwhelming than the second time, which I think you experienced as well. Most probably most women do, but maybe that's not everybody's experience, but um I was like, wow. So I just ran like a marathon giving birth, had the, like the most physically exhausting experience in my life. And now as a reward, I get to not sleep (laughs) (laughs) and I'm going, my breasts are in enormous pain, (laughs) (laughs) but what's, what's so, what was so crazy about to me is I'm like, this seems like a secret that no one told me about, you know? Right. I mean, you know, not to stereotype and generalize, but I'm totally going to do it. If that experience was happening to men, we would have an entire system of support. No man would be working for so many months after they had a baby. Like it just wouldn't be, you know, and I, it's true. I just, I cannot see that being like something that's just accepted, you know, and that they would not put up with it and keep it a secret. Like we do as women. It's like, why, why do we do this? You know? And, you know, or you get the mother that, you know, scares the living daylights out of you with her horror story of your birth. And it's like, you can't win. (laughs) Don't, don't be discouraging either. You know, um, we don't want to, you know, we don't, my daughter, she's so funny. She like, 
her best friend's mom uh, recently had a baby. And so during the pregnancy, you know, she got really curious about it and this and that. And she was like, you know, does it hurt to have a baby? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, you know, there's a lot of big rapid changes that your body goes through and it can be really uncomfortable. And she goes, yeah, I never want to have kids. That sounds terrible. And like, (laughs) no, 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 no. That's not what I meant, but I can't not be honest with her. Right. Like, (laughs) why would I raise this next generation? And, you know, not, I mean, she's six. So like, (laughs) I don't need her to be making these kinds of decisions right now, but, um, yeah, we just, you know, we don't want to paint it out to be this awful thing that, you know, but also you should be prepared. Like Mm -hmm. maybe it won't be terrible and horrible for you, but like, maybe it will. And, you know, if you know, it's a possibility, you're going to weather that storm a lot better. Hmm. Yeah, I I talk about it, I guess my first one, because I was so unprepared, that one I consider like sort of electrocution, like in terms of pain. But the second one, I always talk about in terms of intensity, it wasn't really it was like intense, not like pain. But but I think it's important too. it's like, my experience was, blah, 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 you know, and, and then we should be willing to listen to experiences but not in the context. And I think that's what you were kind of getting out of like, so definitely don't do it, you know? Right. Um, and I, yeah. I have the same, you know, experience between the first and second as you, I was in the most incredible amount of pain during the labor with my first. And, um, I was just, you know, wow. I, I was in so much pain. I thought I was going to die. Like mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't even conceive of that. And then my second, I would never describe as painful, just intense, Yeah, very, very intense. But I knew maybe because I had been through it before, but also totally different birth. I just, you know, I knew I wasn't going to die. So like, it was really helpful <laughs> or at least I was like pretty sure I wasn't going to. And yeah, it was just intense. It wasn't painful, which yeah. is awesome. How did you... Because I mean, I sort of saw we were kind of going through it together, but how how did you prepare yourself mentally for the second time, knowing what you had been through? Mm, Good question. So after my first birth, so I was, well, you know, we took that childbirth class together, you and I, and I, I remember just like, you know, I'd kind of observe around the class as we were doing the various activities or whatever. And I was always really intrigued by you and your partner at the time. And you just, I don't know, you just seem so like, kind of, you know, more, uh, more connected to yourself than the others in the class. And, uh, I I think it was just, you know, learning everything about birth and what was entailed and all the logistics where I made that decision of, I don't know if I really want to have a hospital birth. I think I'd really like to have a home birth. And you came into that class planning a hospital birth. I did. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I think I remember that. All right. I was like, you know, looking at that list of top docs and that's how I picked and, you know, and every appointment, you know, everything I'd learned in the first class and I would bring it up. Well, I don't really want to accommodate that because X, Y, and Z could happen. So I would be pushing for this birth plan and I would get pushed back. And mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, I don't know if this is really a good fit. So, um, you were already planning a home birth and I was like, well, she can do it. I can do it. You know, but Um, so yeah, anyway, but then the birth did not go as planned. And what I learned through that experience, um, afterwards was that just because you have a midwife or just because you have a home birth does not mean that you will have a natural birth. It does not mean that your birth will automatically go well or better. Um, had I 
you know, I probably would have had a, um, not traumatic or less traumatic experience had I stuck with my original plan because mm. at least it was planned. Mm. You know, at least I knew what to expect. And I really didn't know what to expect with the home birth. Mm. So um, I guess kind of kept searching for answers as to why my birth went wrong. Mm. I didn't get those from my midwife and I really contact fizzled there. And um, I started talking to other midwives and somehow I found the Indie Birth Podcast and I don't know if that was before I was pregnant with my second or during, but I started listening to that and feeling really inspired at somebody who was just so sure that women's bodies could do this thing. And that, you know, unless there was something medically wrong, there was no reason to treat it like there was. Mm. And I just listened to every episode, like it was this medicine that I just drank up and I would hear something and I would research it and kind of decide for myself and look at other resources. And I just did that. I found a midwife that I felt I could trust that I still was a little skeptical about even up till the very end. Um, I wasn't sure. Did I really even want somebody there professionally mm. with me at the birth? Um, and ultimately I made the decision to do it because I felt like I wanted the support of another woman who, who could hold that space for me. And so she was there along with her partner midwife who I actually had known for a while. So it ended up really, really great. But yeah, it was this whole process of, you know, it's kind of like how I became a lactation consultant. Like I kept trying to figure out why breastfeeding wasn't going like I had hoped. Why was I in so much pain? Why was my baby spitting up all of the time? Why were these things happening? And I never stopped researching. And so like after my first birth, I needed answers. I needed to understand what happened with my body and what happened with the birth. And that's like, I, I just never stopped researching and learning. And that's how I created the birth experience for my second that I did. Yeah. That was with, so your, your firstborn had you had those issues with yeah okay so it was it was sound like it was more prolonged than what i experienced uh like with breastfeeding or yeah the birth yeah so it wasn't just like you went and saw somebody and then it would no, no. You, it was no quite a i was in i had the you know scabby nipples too um right away in the hospital like the bruising and awful pain and you know they would come in and just shove the baby on the boob and then I went to the pediatrician who was also a lactation consultant and she was like everything looks fine and I was like how come it hurts so bad like that doesn't really make sense so six weeks of really intense pain and then I went Ooh, to really? a leche league yeah Ooh. I went to, well I, I wouldn't say I guess I just like learned how to tolerate the pain and the injury was gone mm. um, because at six weeks I went to a la, a la, I can't even say it, La Leche League meeting, which is like a breastfeeding nonprofit support group. And one of the things I heard one of the leaders say was that breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. And I remember not saying anything, not asking for help and internally feeling rage because I was like, breastfeeding is painful like, but no one had an answer for me as to why it was right. I was, so I heard for the first time that it shouldn't hurt. And I already knew like, you know, internally that that wasn't okay. Um, but then I was also like, well, then what's the damn solution? Like, you know, everyone's telling me this and like, that's fine. But then what do I do about it? How do I fix it? And I didn't know, I really didn't know. And so it kind of just like subsided, his mouth got bigger and it all worked out. But then there were all these other things, like he never slept and he spit up a lot. And was it something I was eating? And you know, this and that, like turns out that he had a tongue and a lip tie. And I didn't learn about that until 
I think I first heard the words when he was nine months old. I didn't realize he had it until he was almost two. And I was still nursing because I persevered, but like, you know, I worked really hard to make that happen. And I had clogged ducts and mastitis and, you know, no sleep along the way. And it was, yeah, it was really prolonged for me. So, um, you know, even though I did it, I just think that what I did to persevere was not something that, you know, most people have the ability to do. I stopped working. I was staying home with him. So it, it was doable for me. Yeah. Well, and you like had so much reason to find solutions. Yeah, I did. I think sometimes like some of the best, most successful breastfeeding stories come from the people who have had it the worst. Mm. Like they're like, this is so unacceptable. Like, no, I'm going to figure this out. And they just see so many different people or, you know, research to no end and, Mm. you know, stumble upon a book or a podcast or, you know, there's that one thing they finally find that, you know, helps them. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And so with the, I know you learned a lot about ties like tongue ties and lip ties, you, you counsel people about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, can create like a number of different symptoms for either the mom or the baby. And it's not, it's not so simple. Like I, I think one of the things that is a real disservice is online, whether it's, you know, Google, social media, YouTube videos, um, moms groups, whatever, right? There's this, you know, group of people who their baby's ties were discovered and they feel really passionate about letting everyone know that this could be a problem. Um, But every time they see someone talk about a breastfeeding problem and ask for advice, they automatically think it's ties. And it's Mm. like, no, that's not always it. Like just, and even if it is, it's maybe not the first thing we should be looking at because she's not making enough milk or like the baby won't latch or whatever. Right. So, um, it's so nuanced, you know, and it's really taken me a huge amount of investment time-wise, you know, money-wise, whatever is a professional experience, um, just, you know, to learn exactly how to properly assess a mom and a baby and truly know if that's the issue. And if, you know, surgically treating it is going to fix anything because it's not black and white at all. And Mm. really that's true for pretty much anything in healthcare. So Mm. it's not an exception, but there's very few people who are truly skilled at providing that really comprehensive care related to tongue and lip ties. Do you find that there's, I mean, that, that has to be some sort of specialty, right? I'm guessing not every pediatrician. Oh yeah. Most pediatricians might be on board with like one particular type of tongue tie, um, maybe, um, but the majority are not informed about all of the, you know, variations that we could see or how it manifests. Mm -hmm. So it's really frustrating when, you know, it's kind of like built in that families will take their baby to a pediatrician, but it's not built in that they'll have somebody assess how the baby's feeding And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, they just kind of don't know. And then the option is, you know, bottles or formula or whatever. And it's just sort of not ever known about or seen. And yeah, we don't, um, we don't get that education, um, as lactation consultants either. It's not by default that that's part of our clinical, um, competencies, or it's not really something, maybe a question or two on the board exam. Um, it's really something that we have to go and seek out like continuing education on to, really get that proper training and, and go work with someone else who is able to teach us those skills. 
the skills about ties or whether the baby about ties. Got, tie, got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How to know if the baby has ties, what to do to help in those situations. Yeah. It's not part of really any healthcare providers baseline education. Mm. Wow. So yes. interesting. Yes. <laughs> We're going to make it happen one day. I remember that I, oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was going to say there's like enough angry parents out there that like, we're going to make it happen one day. (laughs) You know, with the breastfeeding thing, I think that there's more like longevity in the, you know, cause you breastfeed for so much longer than you're pregnant for, right. Or so much longer than you give birth for, especially, but I I always see like, you know, if you have like one or two kids, you're probably like, all right, I don't want to fight that battle. Like, you know, the hospital sucked or whatever the birth experience sucked, but like, whatever I survived and I'm just going to continue with my life, you know, but, um, so it's really quite, it's really quite, um, a fortunate situation for, for those doctors and midwives. I think that, um, you just lose so much steam. Plus you have like no sleep most of the time. So it's not like a real, um, powerful, like, uh, protesting force or anything you know like um maybe if the the partners were enraged for the moms but um oh oh but i was gonna say about the the pump when we were talking about i totally forgot what i thought was so funny about pumping when i realized this and maybe this is really obvious but i thought like oh this is so great i'll have like extra milk like that i you know um can give when i go here or go there and like you know my husband can feed my baby or whatever but i'm like wait but in order to have extra milk i need to pump when i would have been feeding my baby so like do you you know what i'm saying (laughs) i do so is my baby not gonna feed while i'm saving milk for him Yeah, it's like a big conundrum and one that kind of hits a lot of people by surprise because they're like, hey, I'm going back to work in a couple weeks and uh, like, how do I save up milk? And you're like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you might get like half an ounce or maybe an ounce at a time. I mean, you have, you have to work at it. Yeah. You have to like, it takes time uh, if it's not the immediate postpartum to create that signal for your body to increase that production. Mm. So, yeah. Um, and this is like why, you know, I'm just such an advocate for, there's no hard and fast rules when it comes to lactation. So there's like this common thing that people are told, you know, Oh, wait to pump until like six weeks, you know, wait till breastfeeding is well-established to pump. Mm. But if you know that you want to have extra milk or like you're returning to work and need to leave your baby or something, like you probably should be pumping pretty early on after having that baby. I mean, take a few days and, you know, get home and all that stuff. But yeah. like, if you don't kind of set the stage from the beginning, it just becomes a lot harder and you can feel really insecure about it. And, um, you know, just really thrown for a loop when you're like, uh, wait a second, I can't like withhold a feeding just so I can have one later for my kid. That's not going to work. So right. yeah, there's, oh gosh, you know, these well-meaning intentions, right? Like it's like, we don't want to tell you that you should have to sit there hooked up to the pump all of the time. You just had a baby and you're not sleeping and your who has all, you know, torn up and like whatever's happened to you, but like, yeah, maybe for some people you should. So mm. it's tough. It's really tough to like balance that. Yeah. And that's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. It's not just pumping. You have to wash all that stuff. You have to store the milk. You have to pray that that bag of milk does not leak when you defrost it in your fridge. 
I mean, it's like a lot of stuff that you have to do and remember and hopefully you have help, but you don't always. And even if you do, you're still the one that makes the milk. So like no one else can do that for you and you're stuck, (laughs) which, you know, it's not a burden, but it's like, there's so many other things that, you know, breastfeeding realistically in the very beginning could take up 30 hours a week. And that's a huge number, right? That's some people like work that amount of hours. And when you think about that, like, it's not to say like, oh, breastfeeding so time consuming and cumbersome, but it's like, no, like you really don't have time to put other things on your priority list because this is now what's happening and this is what you're doing. And you really have to make that time for that. But also like you cannot, you know, push yourself beyond your limits. Yeah. Yeah. And it is such a beautiful, I mean, you know, you're in, in the sense of like how much time it takes, I guess it is, it is kind of a nice excuse to maybe you're sitting down and you're gonna, you know, like really connect with your baby or listen to some nice music or, you know, eat (laughs) while you're you're breastfeeding, you know, but it, it is, it is like, it can be, I think if you're in the right mindset and it's not hurting, you know, it can be, um, like a really lovely experience that is, I don't know, something I wouldn't have wanted to miss out on. Oh, absolutely. I think it's like the best thing, like anybody who, it doesn't matter how it started. If you, if you kept going with it, I mean, I have not had a mom yet in the later stages or, or looking back on her journey and how it went like to, I mean, they all say this, right. It's like, those were my moments where I got to slow down. I got to just, you know, have a quiet moment, um, you know, to myself sometimes, you know, because, you know, if the baby just falls asleep, right. Or, um, sometimes you just connect with your baby. Um, but you get to sit and be still like, we're in such a busy, fast paced world sometimes that it's like rare that we would do that, you know, oh, I have to do this and I need to run this errand and, oh, I could be doing this. And it's like, when you are nursing, you are forced to sit there, um, oftentimes with your own thoughts. And, um, that can be really uncomfortable for some people. (laughs) Um, but it can be really enjoyable and, you know, you get this release of hormones that relaxes you and calms you. Like, this is why it's so protective of things like postpartum depression and anxiety is because, you know, not only just behaviorally what you're going through, but, you know, hormonally as well. And I mean, when people wean, it's usually very bittersweet. They're like, you know, definitely ready to be done, but I am going to miss all of those times where, you know, it was like my excuse and I just got to sit and relax or have that bond with my baby and connect with them in that way. And it's like, this is the magic. This is the stuff, you know, that that's the reward you've been through all of this and you like went through this wild learning curve early on. And now it's like, wow, you know, what an incredible, amazing experience that just feels so good. It really does. It feels so good. And when it's going well, (laughs) so I just, I don't know. I think that's what people need to remember about it is just, you know, in those moments where like, it might feel hard or you're not sure you want to keep doing it. Like, just think of being on the other side and like finding that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Cause that's really what it is. It's like, just, I don't know. I think of breastfeeding and I very rarely think about the milk because it's mm-hmm. like, wow, I miss those days with my kids. You know, um, it was, it was great. But then I also feel like because I had those days years 
really, let's be honest, years with my kids <laughs> nursing. Like when they snuggle with me on the couch now, it's the same thing. There's just no boob and no milk, right? Like it's just so cool. Like we have that. And it's not that you won't have that if you don't breastfeed, but it's like, there's just something extra special there. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. You talk, or I read in your bio about your, um, supplements. Maybe we could just finish off by talking about that. Cause that was really uh, cool to see. I saw like, um, a special in, on the Arizona, was it an Arizona uh, station, new station that picked up oh, a story yeah. about your supplements that was like, Oh, that's so cool. So yeah, yeah. that was really cool. It was like, um, definitely like a surprise and a, a great one for me to be featured. Um, yeah, I, uh, that's kind of where that like original definition of holistic comes into play. Um, so I have, you know, I really started out looking at, you know, non-pharmaceutical means to do, you know, improve breastfeeding and a big one of those things is milk supply. And so, um, I really made it a point to get, you know, knowledgeable on herbs and all sorts of things, um, to support that. And, you know, over the years really kind of honed, you know, the dosages and which herbs and all of those things. And so for a long time, I was, you know, recommending when someone would come in based on, you know, their health history and everything that was going on, you know, these are the herbs I'd recommend that you take. These are the amounts. This is how often, and you know, this is how long I would expect it to take for you to see improvement. Let's, you know, keep an eye on this. We can always adjust. And that was great. And it worked really, really well. The times that it didn't work well were one people that have mom brain and they would forget. Um, I would, type it up, email it to them. They would have this beautiful, like written out thing that, you know, they probably never even read again or ever read. And <laughs> like, they would not remember how much to take, which herb to take. They would get the wrong form of the herb. They couldn't find one of the ones I recommended, or it would just be like so expensive to buy multiple things and combine them all. Um, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of capsules to swallow or whatever it was. Right. And so it was really cumbersome. And, you know, for the ones that, you know, they saw the results and they obviously stuck with it. And of course they would do it, but it was like, you know, really inconvenient. And so I'd always get asked, you know, is there like a blend, you know, that you would recommend like something all in one. And there were a couple of brands where, I would recommend them, but I wouldn't really ever see a big difference. Um, they'd already usually come to me having tried a bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. So I think it was really just, you know, a few, you know, clients here and there, um, you know, they would say to me, you know, oh, it'd be so cool if you had your own supplement. And I was like, that's like something I totally don't do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even really remember. This is like the sad part is just, I don't know. I was probably just like so deep in it and I don't really remember the origin story, but somehow I realized that I was connected to a couple of people that had herbal supplements that they made and I connected with them and I found out, Hey, this is actually not as hard as I think. So that was a long story. So it's not really like long story short, but fast forward to, I created my own blend of herbs. Um, so now I have two different supplements. One's more for milk supply. The other one is more for milk flow. So things like, um, engorgement, mastitis, clogged ducts, that sort of thing, but it also does support milk supply. And, you know, it took me a long time to really settle on the ingredients. I didn't want to put something on the market that wasn't going to be better than what was already out there. Um, I wanted it to be organic. I wanted my ingredients to be really high quality. I wanted to make sure it was made in the U S like all of those things took a lot of time to figure out. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, why would I put something out there that 
it's just the same as everything else. That's why I'm thinking of creating this. Um, so yeah, it's been a process. It's been a really rewarding one because as much as I definitely wouldn't say that I want people to feel like, you know, there's a magic pill you can take to fix breastfeeding for some people. Um, it's definitely part of the puzzle for them. And for others, if that's all you needed and that's what was the missing piece for you, then amazing and great. Right. Like, you know, it's, what's cool about that is I think moms in particular, right. Like they're more inclined to like, I don't know, they, they want like a quick fix. Cause you know, like you're just, you're, oh, you're tired. You're, there's a lot going on. Like you don't, you don't have the patience or whatever, right? Like, or hey, let's just try it. Let's see if this works, you know? And so the cool thing about that is while I don't have as much time to spend an hour with every single person who's helping with breastfeeding, you know, it's it's easy to send out a hundred bottles of a supplement to somebody and help them in that way, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like I get to reach more people and I get to give them something that's really quality that I feel good about and you know, gives them some health benefits. Typically they feel more energetic. I've had people tell me cool things about my supplements that I totally didn't like, well, one, I couldn't market it for that, but like two, didn't <laughs> expect like, um, the second one that's like for the milk flow, it's called lactation flow formula. And I guess it's, um, has to do with the turmeric and the curcumin in it. But, um, people have said that they got their sense of smell back when taking it. Like if they lost it from having COVID, and I looked oh, it up wow. and like, there are studies that show that taking turmeric can help with that. And I was like, oh, well, that's like a nice little side bonus. So <laughs> anyway, it's always really cool to hear from people and, and things like that. And it just, I don't know. It's like, there's way more that I want to do, but the supplements have been like a really cool piece of just feeling like I'm helping more people and putting something out there that, you know, I believe in, like, I just, I definitely couldn't sell just anything. It would have to be like something that I truly feel good about. So finally made it and here it is. And yeah, it's awesome. That's so cool. And that and your services are available pretty much to everyone, at least in the United States. Yeah. The supplements in the U S um, and Canada, if you order on our website, um, unless we have like, you know, international, um, distribution facilities, the shipping times are just way too long okay. and it's like, it's not worth it. It's probably going to get lost. And we've tried, we've desperately tried. Um, so that's, you know, it's not easy. I try to tell people like, just, you know, there's a lot that happens on the back end. It's not simply like, you know, get this manufactured and whatever, like everything from sales tax to like FDA regulations to, um, supply chain, every, like there's a lot that goes into it. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, <laughs> But yes, our services, thankfully, you can get those anywhere in the world, pretty much as long as you speak English or Spanish. We do have a um, Spanish-speaking lactation consultant on our team, which is cool. She oh. lives in Spain. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, we do virtual appointments only. Um, and then we have our awesome community that's online, the Nurture Collective, which is like the most amazing group of moms. And I mean, I already have like the ground rules set when you come in, you know, like it's a judgment-free zone and you know, we're all here to, to share, you know, our experiences. No, you cannot post a picture of your bloody nipple and ask for advice. Like we don't do that here. You need an appointment, but like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's filled with like all these sorts of like mini courses, if you will, right on every stage of breastfeeding or all these like problems that could come up. And so it's not meant for you to like, take it as a course start mm -hmm. to finish. It's like, you know, take what you need and then leave the rest and ask questions and, it's just been the most amazing group of women. Like we have, um, a mom in there right now who recently weaned, but she's pregnant again. And she's like, 
I'm going to stay because I feel like I don't remember anything about nursing a newborn and this community is awesome. And I'm like, well, that's great. Cause I mean, I want you to stay, but we're pretty much only talking about breastfeeding and motherhood. So like, you know, (laughs) hopefully you don't feel like excluded or anything. And she's like, no, it's awesome. So it's been really great, you know, just to be able to support people in ways that, you know, I just, I don't believe everybody needs the one same solution, right? Like lots of people do not ever need to see a lactation consultant. Lots of people don't ever need to take a supplement, but probably everybody could use like some community and some education. So that's where that comes in. Oh, love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, Would you like to tell people about how they can get in touch with you, how they can book an appointment, get your supplements, that sort of stuff. And I'll put the links in the show notes so people can click on. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, you sharing that information. Um, yeah, you can go to our website, holisticlactation.com. Um, so everything is there. Um, if you want to engage more with us, um, we're super active on Instagram. So at holistic lactation, uh, we're kind of ramping up TikTok and then probably some YouTube here coming shortly. So there's just an, a plethora of content, like just honestly scroll back if you're looking for anything and you'll probably find it. And then the podcast breastfeeding talk. Um, I have just, you know, so many episodes, they come out weekly. Those are just, you know, really awesome in-depth conversations. If myself monologuing to you or like some guest that's really cool and has something awesome to share. So yeah, I invite you to take part in all of it. Um, and then, yeah, if anybody is listening and you want to connect with me, like send us a DM on Instagram and I'll see it and I can reply to you because I always love to hear from people and know where you came from. Cool. And for the Nurture Collective, is that is the info for joining that on your website? Yes, it will be on holisticlactation.com. It'll be linked there, but it actually has its own website, the nurturecollective.co. Okay. I will link that too. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. It's really been nice to catch up with you about breastfeeding. I'm sure there's (laughs) lots more in your life that's happened. So perhaps we can connect um, outside the podcast as well. But um, Yeah. yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Porter. It's just been a pleasure to get to chat to you and connect with you and bring up some awesome memories and have this conversation. Cool. Well, thanks y'all for listening. If you have questions or feedback about this episode, feel free to email me at inspiredpodcast at gmail.com and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.